The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. We've been going verse by verse through the book of Ruth, and now we are in the last couple verses in the entire book. And so um, give it up for yourselves. We made it through an entire book. That's pretty exciting. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was actually sitting with my in-laws at the table. Um, shout out to my in-laws if you guys ever listen to this. I think you're amazing. But, um, <laughs> hey, my, I was actually sitting with my in-laws, and they, they, they were like, hey, you know, you're preaching over the book of Ruth, and you've never done a shout out to your wife, who literally you call Ruth. And um, so um, now, final week, might as well finally do it. Um, this is for you. No, it's not really, but uh, it's all for God. But <laughs> Sorry, that was a really mean joke. Um, yeah, those of you who don't know, um, her name's Sarah. My name's Isaac, but um, I call her Ruth, and I guess that's just her middle name, and I guess I've just always called her Ruth, and so now it just kind of, why change now, right? So, um, but the book of Ruth, and it's actually been a really awesome sermon series. I've liked it, and so... Um, we are now in the last few verses, and we're going to be wrapping it up. But before we do, I want, to, I want to touch on a couple themes that we have seen through the entire book. Uh, this theme that was just been found um, sermon after sermon. Uh, each time we look at a chunk of text that's in this book, these themes seem to always be showing up. And, um, and so the first one is that God cares for broken people. You see uh, right off the bat in chapter 1 that... God cares for broken people, and really, before you can get to that, that God cares for broken people, you need to find broken people, right? And uh, we definitely found that in the book of Ruth. We found that Naomi is just um, devastated. She loses, at the very beginning of the book, I mean, there's a huge death rate, really quick. Uh, Naomi has a husband, he's gone. She had two sons, they're both gone. Um, and there's famine, and so they have to move to this horrible place. And so, I'm not going to go through all of that again. You can, you can listen to those past sermons, but... Um, there's brokenness that is left behind in the just trail of these people's lives. They've just had a broken life. And yet, time after time, God seems to have provided for them and shown himself to them to love them and care for them. And really what we find in that, and I think it's really important for us to see, is that pain and suffering, maybe you know what that's like, does not negate God's presence just because you have pain and suffering just because you have hurt just because you have a, a baggage and just a lot of stuff that has happened to you in your life does not mean that God wasn't there God was just walking with you through it and um, he actually does care for broken people and so the second thing actually is um, that he uses unqualified people a lot of the time to care for us he, he can care for us in a lot of ways. He can, I mean, he's the God of the universe, right? And he can do all these amazing things. But he chooses a lot of the time to use people in our lives, imperfect people, but people to love us and to show us God's love. And he chooses a Boaz in the story of Ruth where Boaz um, shows up on the scene and we talked about how he really looks like Christ. To Ruth, right? The way he loves her, the way he cares for her, the way he provides for her, the way he protects her. If you, if any of this is starting to flood back, Boaz cares for and really shows up. It shows us an image of Christ's love for us. But 
we also have to keep that in context, knowing that Boaz is just a normal man. Boaz is just a guy. I mean, Boaz has made mistakes. Boaz is imperfect. Boaz is like me and you. He has um, a history of just doing things wrong. Uh, Boaz is not a perfect man, and we have to remember that, that God uses an imperfect man to love somebody that needs loving. And so God cares for the broken people, and he uses unqualified people, people that really don't deserve to be teaming up with God, the perfect God, the amazing God, the holy God, to be teaming up with him, yet he uses them anyway. They're unqualified. And um, so that's been kind of all throughout this book, and it's no less apparent in this sermon right here, the final, the finale um, sermon of this book. And so that's actually exactly what we're going to be talking about tonight, is how God cares for broken people, and he uses unqualified people to do it a lot of the time. He uses people that are broken to love broken people. That's really all over the book of Ruth, and it's all over the last few verses of the book of Ruth. We're going to be looking at that tonight. Um, Last week, we just uh, finished where we're kind of cliffhanging um, at. At this point is Abby. She finished up. She did an amazing job, and I hate it. We um, kind of accidentally corrupted the, the file, the sermon, and so it's actually not able to. You can't listen to it. We can't listen to it. Um, and so we apologize to Abby. But uh, she did an awesome job. But what she left us with last week was um, Boaz and Ruth got married. One of the ways Boaz wanted to care for and love and provide for Ruth was to marry her. And um, so that's what they did. They got married last week. That's what we talked about. And um, speaking of, by the way, we're going we're gonna to get into in just a minute that uh, the first thing that happens is they had a baby. You say, aw. Aw, right? Uh, yeah, aw. They get married, and then, like, the next verse, it's like, and then she conceived. And um, not saying that that's, like, providence. Um, speaking over Sarah and I's life, we've been married for, like, a, almost a year now. Not, not saying we're pregnant. <laughs> we're not. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, man, we're, I was talking to Jacob before uh, the service. It's like, man, what would you name your baby? And uh, we kind of came up with Boaz. And so uh, we think that's probably the best name to... Uh, but um, if you disagree, yeah, Facebook us or uh, Instagram us. Tell us your favorite baby name that we should do. Um, we're thinking Judah or Kimora, actually. That's actually legitimate. What do you think about Judah? Kimora? Kimora. Yeah, Sarah's like, that's mine. That's, that's my girl. <laughs> She's not even conceived yet. <laughs> but anyway... So we're going to read that in just a minute. But uh, Cliffhanger, they just got married. And so now this is kind of like, you know, the, end, the last part of a movie where the whole movie is like this love story, these people, and then they, they fall in love and they finally get married. And then it shows like the next scene, it says at the very bottom, 20 years later, and it's them with some kids, right? And it's like, man, what happened to them? How would their life end up going? Um, this is kind of that, uh, the book of Ruth. And so they just got married last week. We talked about that. And now this week, it's kind of happily ever after story. What ends up happening? And so um, we're going to jump into that. But really, I don't want to miss out on these are the two things that really is written all over this, is that God cares for broken people and he uses unqualified people to do it. And so let's jump into it. The first part I want to talk about is how God cares for broken people. Um, and so let's start reading here in verse 13 of chapter 4. It says, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. He slept with her, and the Lord granted conception to her, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, the women said to Naomi, Naomi, not Ruth, the women said to Naomi, 
Blessed be the Lord who has not left you without a family redeemer today. May his name become well known in Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Indeed, your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better than seven sons has given birth to him. Naomi took the child and placed him on her lap and became his nanny. The neighbor said to the, the neighbor woman said, A son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. Not near as good as Boaz, but that's just my opinion. That's not in the text. Um, they named him Obed, and he, and he was the father of Jesse, the father of David, who would later be the king of Israel, David. Um, and so we're going to stop there really quick, but I really think that this shows that God cares for broken people. Because you have to remember in the context of this, this is a big celebration, right? They just got married. They just had a baby. And they're like, man, man, the Lord just blessed us. But we have to keep that in context of knowing what just happened in their life. They were just broken last chapter, last week. They were, they were hurting. They were needing redemption. They were needing somebody to care for them. They were needing somebody to provide for them. And we can't just forget that and say, oh, man, it's such a good text. Because we have to turn back and look. Where were they just at? And they were broken. They were hurting. Yet, if you look at this text here that we were just reading, it says that the Lord granted conception to Ruth and she gave birth to a son. So notice, it didn't say that she just got pregnant and she just, she had a son, but it said that the Lord granted it to happen. The Lord made it happen that she would be pregnant and she would have a son. If you remember, what made her so broken was that she was going back to Judah with Naomi, and Naomi's like, no, look, you're young enough. You can have a kid. You can still have a child. You can have a baby. You can have a life with a child. Go do that in Moab. And what does Ruth say? No, I'm willing to sacrifice that, and I'm going to go with you anyway. So part of her brokenness, part of her heartbreak was, I'm giving up the part of my life of having a son, having a family. Yet the Lord cares for people that are broken Someone that would give up something, that would sacrifice something. He loved her, and she, he cared for her, and he gave her that son. And then, and then Naomi, the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you without a family redeemer today. Naomi was distraught, and actually she was so bad off, guys, that she even said, I am bitter towards God. Call me Mara because I'm bitter, because God has taken everything from me. He has taken, me, he's taken away my family. And yet here... Complete 180, and God has now provided her what had left her broken before. God provided for her a family and a family redeemer. And so, really, we see that God cares for people that are in broken states, that are broken themselves. And, um, and I really think this gives us hope because, can I be honest? We're broken people. We're broken people in a broken world. Each one of us. Look, I'm broken. And I think this may be the part where, like, people are expecting me to give, like, this horrible story of, like, where my life just went so south. And, like, I am I'm now, they're like, man, he is broken. Um, and I could, and I could tell some stories, but I, I won't. Um, I actually spoke with somebody, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago. And this has actually happened a number of times where I've been talking with somebody and just kind of talking through, you know, what they're going through. And, um, and this particular instance, I was talking to them, and they said, whenever they were just, you know, just throwing up everything that has just happened and all these things. And I wanted to give some insight into this particular part that I really thought I could speak into. And they stopped me. And they said, look, you don't understand what it's like 
and they go back through. But what they didn't know, and I never told them, and I probably never will, is that actually I understood so perfectly because what specifically they were talking about in that instance where I was supposed to be there for them, I knew so well because I went through almost identically the same thing that they were going through. And they, but they were like, you don't understand. You don't know. The fact of the matter was is I did understand and I know how broken it can leave somebody. And so this isn't like a, a, a comparison game. This isn't like a who's been more broken than the other person. You know, like who has the worst story? Like that's not what I'm trying to get at. Um, because if I'm being honest, I actually probably would lose that game to a lot of people in this room. And I know that. I get that. That's, so that's not what I'm trying to do. What I am trying to say here, though, is I promise you I know brokenness. And I know hurt. But I also know a God that loves and cares for people in brokenness. I know that much. And so, um, whether it be external situations that would leave you depressed or discouraged or beat down or just hurting, whether it be one of those things where you're just like, I can't do this anymore, I'm, I'm hurting, my heart is broken, I am just getting hit left and right in life, whether it be something like that, and you're like, yeah, I guess you could call me broken. Or maybe you're in here and you're actually, you're like, no, that's actually not me. My life is actually going pretty, pretty decent. I would argue, look, you are just as broken as the next person that would admit that they were broken because of their life situations. Don't fool yourself. You're just as broken as me and as the person on your left and your right. Because if it's not external things going on, I promise you it's things going on inside you. Paul talks about it, and Paul, Paul says that um, it's right this, this internal just desire that just turns him away from things that uh, he should be doing. Right, He wants to do things, and he doesn't do them. Or he doesn't want to do certain things, and he ends up having to do them. He, just, he can't help himself. It's this, like, this horrible appetite for doing horrible things, what we would call right in the church sin. And every single person has that where it destroys friendships, where it hurts relationships, where it, it makes people that you love, it hurts them, maybe it hurts you, whatever it is, all these things, whether external or they're inside you, every single person, it's a sign of brokenness. We're all broken. That's the reality of it, but we know God cares for us. At times, it's through um, just providing for us what we, what we need so desperately, what we care for, right? I mean, Ruth and Naomi, perfect examples that um, Ruth didn't have a son. She didn't have a family, but God provided it for her, and he was so gracious to give it to her, though she didn't deserve it. Naomi, she didn't have a family, and God would give it to her, and she didn't have a social standing or a voice, and yet he gave it to her. Maybe it's something like that. You have a broken friendship, and God would restore that we know parents in here probably are struggling financially, and God might provide in that way. All these different ways, these external things that God would provide, right? But then what if God doesn't do that for you? I mean, honestly, what if God doesn't provide that for you? What if you are hurting with a broken friendship and God doesn't ever provide a restored friendship for you? Maybe you'd look at your friends and say, you know what, God doesn't care for me then in my brokenness. If God isn't healing my external situations, my circumstances, the pain that you're experiencing, the hurt that you're feeling, all of that, God's not fixing it. Maybe God doesn't care for my brokenness is what we would conclude. And I actually just want to throw out there then, 
that God healing your external situations or circumstances is not the most caring thing he can do for you. Can I just say that? Just because God didn't heal your finances, God didn't heal your friendships, your relationships, uh, whatever it is, those aren't, the, those aren't the ways that God can care for you most, the most caring thing God can do for you. Get this, because this is so key, this is so important for every single person in here, because every single person is broken, broken inside, and the most loving thing, most caring thing that God can do for you is be present with you. And you're like, wow, that was awesome. Thanks, Isaac, because that's what I really need. But I promise you, I promise you that that is the most caring thing that God could ever do for you. Because if you have all the finances, you have all the friendships, you have all the relationships, you have all the things externally that you would want, but you don't have the friendship, the relationship, the loving community with God himself, you have nothing. And really, you're just... You're lying to yourself if you think that you're content with all those things and you have all those things and you're satisfied and you're fulfilled. But flip it. If you have him, relationship with God, and you don't have anything else and you're broken in all other ways, financially, relationally, whatever it is, emotionally, you're broken in these ways and you're hurting, but you have the presence of God himself with you. I promise you, you're being cared for infinitely more than somebody else that has all those things but doesn't have him. That is the most loving and caring thing that God could ever do for you or provide for you. God cares for broken people. The best way he does it is having a relationship with you and being there with you and walking through it with you So if you're feeling all the pain and the hurt from all those other things, run to God because it's the best thing that you could have during it. But God doesn't only care for broken people. He also uses unqualified people. A lot of the times, like I just said before, that he cares for people in their brokenness. A lot of times he uses people to do it. Your friends, your community around you, whatever it might be. Um, Let me read here. Um, I want to point out that he cared for Naomi. He showed Naomi love. He provided for Naomi in her brokenness. How? Through Ruth. Indeed, your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better than seven sons, has given birth to him, who would be Naomi's, Naomi's family redeemer. When Ruth was originally going to have no social standing, where in this society where men are more elevated than women, men are the ones that provide, men are the ones that work, men are the ones that have social voices, right? Men are the ones that can do all these things. Women cannot. This is a complete 180 in this culture where everyone is saying, this woman who didn't have any of that, who no one expected anything to come from, this Moabite, this disgusting woman that we aren't even able to worship with because she's dirty in our eyes and she's a woman. How amazing is God's plan that he would, he'd be like, that's the perfect person I want to use to restore Naomi and I want to give Naomi all that she wants. To, to where people would say she's better than seven men. Complete 180. And he used somebody else Um, to care for. And not only that, to finish up the entire book, it says, now these are the family records of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered, I always mess this one, Aminadab. Aminadab. Yep. Aminadab fathered uh, Hashon. Hashon fathered Salmon? Salmon? I didn't actually, I don't know. 
salmon. Solomon? I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. So- Solomon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz, there he is. There's my guy who my son will be named after. All the way down the family tree. Boaz fathered Obed with Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. Now, I don't want us to forget that this is so significant. Why? Because this is a history of people with, these people have a history, a life. Perez, just to call one out, Perez um, was the son of his mom faked being a prostitute to sleep with his dad to where his dad um, was so ashamed when he found out that he impregnated a prostitute that he ended up having to raise this son, Perez. That's Perez's life. Perez is the son of a prostitute um, that, not actually a prostitute, but she acted like it to trick this man, who was actually her father-in-law, to make it even worse, to sleep with her and to get her pregnant. That is the life of Perez starting off, okay? And so this is a dirty start. And then if you jump all the way down to the very last person, David, David's in this family tree. David's the one that uh, wanted to sleep with the woman so bad that he did. And whenever he found out she got pregnant, he got so scared, he killed her husband to where he didn't get in trouble and people didn't find out. This is the life. And then you jump in there. I mean, Boaz, he had Obed with who? Ruth, a Moabite woman. So this is just a family of people that we would call unclean, unrighteous, unholy, all these horrible people, right? And that, that's just three of them. We could go through the whole list, and just because they're not talked about, all the things that they did aren't talked about in the Bible, thank God that the things we do wrong aren't talked about in the Bible. Amen? <laughs> that would be horrible. Um, I feel bad for the people that do have that. But just because these other people, Aminadab, didn't have something horrible talked about that he did in the Bible, doesn't mean that he didn't do bad things, because I promise you he did, because he's just like me and you. So every single person in this list has messed up, has done terrible things, really is ultimately broken. They're broken people, and because of that, they're unqualified. Yet God uses them to make the family chain that would lead down to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the one that would save us, our Lord and Savior, these imperfect, disgusting people. It's fair, we can call David disgusting for what he did, right? God used this family to lead down to Jesus Christ, the perfect person that would never do anything wrong, holy, God himself. God uses unqualified people to do amazing things. God loves to use unqualified people to do amazing things. It's, it's actually kind of neat. Sarah, my wife, um, I think I got approval for this. Maybe not. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so she's like, oh, no. Um, no, so Sarah's been hanging out with some Saudi Arabian women, and it's been really amazing just to see her friendship with them flourish. She's been hanging out with them at least once a week. A lot of the times, um, she's taken them out driving. She's uh, cooked for them, and then she, we went over to their house, and they cooked for her. Anyway, she has this great friendship with these Saudi Arabian Muslim women, and, um, and it could have been really easy for her just to say, oh, I'm not... I don't know their culture. I'd really mess things up. I'd actually make Christianity look worse to them than if I just didn't mess with it because, you know, it's really touchy, the cultural things and all this stuff. And I don't want to be disrespectful, so I just won't talk to them. It could have been really easy for her to do that, right? But she didn't. She 
certainly didn't know everything about their culture. She's reading books about it now to where she doesn't mess things up, right? Um, but it could have been easy for her to say, you know what, I'm not going to touch it. I'm unqualified. But she didn't. She jumped in. She talked to these women. She has a friendship with these women. And it's funny, whenever I actually, I don't talk to them a whole lot because this whole men, women, right, relationship thing. Um, but the one time that they did come up to me and they, they talked to me, they said, are you Sarah's husband? In broken English. Are you Sarah's husband? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, you're the luckiest man to live. And I was like, what? And they're like, you are the luckiest man to live. She is an amazing woman. And I was like, I think so too. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, that is just the story that God uses people that aren't qualified, that aren't ready, that don't know what they're doing. God uses them and does amazing things for his mission to touch people and to love people and to care for people when they're broken. God uses unqualified people. And it's just true. Our brokenness leaves us unqualified on God's scale. Yet a lot of the time, it's kind of amazing. Our brokenness is the perfect thing to help us speak to and witness to other people that are broken because we can relate to them. We can say, look, let me point you to Jesus Christ who cares for and loves broken people. The reality is, is we are all broken we are, every single one of us are broken, and we're unqualified to be working with God, this perfect God, and this mission that he has, and this universe. Yet, he cares for us when we're broken, and he uses us though we're disqualified. He cares for broken people, and he uses disqualified people. That's us. If you guys would, this is the time where we're actually going to spread out. Um, so you guys can go ahead and do that. But I have this story, and while you're moving around, I'll, I'm going to tell this story. This man, this man that I know, uh, he had quite the story. He was a pastor's son. He was a preacher's son, right, trying to live the best life he can with all these people watching him. Yet he, he ended up turning to drugs, turning to alcohol, turning to a life that he was always raised not to go to, and he, he turned to that life, and he actually became homeless because of this. And he, I remember him telling me that he used to actually find gravestones to sleep on. Um, because those, the, the gravestones would actually soak up heat from the sun during the day to where at nighttime he would actually have at least a little bit of warmth while he slept. Um, so he would go to graves, grave sites, cemeteries, to sleep because he would have at least somewhat of a warm bed. This man turned from being a person that was new church, front and back, to being homeless and addicted to drugs, the definition of broken and hurting. He was broken. But God cared for him, and he restored him, and he then became a pastor in Kansas City who was one of the most influential people in my life. He spoke to me about things that I really, really needed direction on. Whenever Sarah and I were about to get married, he ended up counseling us, premarital counseling. One of the wisest men I know, but he was so broken that God restored him and he used him. Unqualified, disqualified. Yet God said, he's perfect. I want to use him to speak in the lives of other broken people. 
It doesn't matter what your story is, what your history is, all the things that make you broken. God cares for you and loves you. I, pr- I pray that you would see that and you would know that. But not only that God cares for you, but that he wants to use you for amazing things. I pray that you would know that. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.